This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard. BYU Sports Nation is live. You're day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Wednesday, February 9th. Great to have you. And uh, I'm Jeremy Jordan, teamed up with a guy who did not shave his head yesterday, Jason Shepard. We thought that you might. That, uh, that is correct. I did not shave my head, nor do I have plans to shave my head. Why not? It's super cool. Uh, the BYU baseball team, not everyone, I'm going to say that, but the majority of the BYU baseball team, they got together and they decided to go with the buzz cut. They mm. shaved their heads. Okay. And because uh, I'm at practice on Monday and I'm noticing, I'm like, oh, he's shaved his head. Uh oh, there's another. Whoa, there, there's a lot of guys that shaved their head. Do we know why? Is it a team? It was it was sort hey, of a, a team this. building, but they said a lot of it was just the fact that uh, peer pressure <laughs> mounted, and everyone was like, well, if he's doing it, I'm going to do it. And then, well, if I'm doing it, you should do it. And so it just kind of, at least that was the explanation I got. It wasn't some greater <laughs> cause. It was just peer pressure. <laughs> so I did ask one of the players who did not shave his head. I'm like, yes. so, so how come you did not? Yes. He's like, well, there's a couple of reasons. One, I didn't want to. <laughs> Number two, my reason. significant other didn't want to, and that okay. should probably be the number one answer is what he said. And he's like, three, actually, it really doesn't matter. Number two is probably the real reason is yeah. my significant other didn't yeah. want it. I have a feeling there's probably quite a few of those that didn't. Their, their significant other's yeah. like, you know what? I'm going to say you don't do that. Never gave Whitney the option in uh, 2015 for me. <laughs> Here's your show lineup. Chaos in the West Coast Conference last night. Wow. Two upsets that have shaken up things. We'll discuss what it means for the Cougars' hopes of being a top-four seed in Las Vegas. ESPN Sean Farnham on what's up with Cougar Hoops now, what he thinks BYU can fix right away. Mark Pope reads mean tweets. <laughs> LOL. This is good. you got to watch it. And a conversation about jackets. Time for some headlines. BYU football ranked 23rd in the newly released SP Plus preseason predictions. This ranking, if you're not familiar with it, is based on returning production, recent recruiting, as well as recent history. And here's a fun fact for you. BYU and Utah both rank as the 11th best returning offense. How about them apples? I do like apples, uh, green ones specifically, but yeah, that, that's Ooh. some good stuff. Top 25. I'm You're a, green, a tart apple guy. I'm a green apple guy. Okay. I used to live in the, uh, the apple state. I'm a golden delicious, so more of the, the yellowish. Granny? Is that the brand? No, like? I, but that's more tart. Oh, that's more tart. Okay. It's more tart. But tartar? Yeah. Tartar or no. tartar sauce? No, I do not like tartar sauce because okay. I hate seafood. <laughs> Fish and chips? What? Tyler Algier is headed to the NFL Combine March 1st through the 7th in Indianapolis. Algier made the list released by the NFL today. He's one of 36 running backs on the list among 324 prospects. Yeah, good luck to Tyler Algier. After missing Saturday's game against Gonzaga, senior guard Tijon Lucas was back at practice on Tuesday. Here's what head coach Mark Pope had to say. So T, T you know, we, we wouldn't let him practice today, and he just begged and begged and begged to get him practice. Yesterday, we wouldn't let him practice. He just begged to get him practice today. So uh, as part of the agreement, you know, there's, there's, if you know the Merritt Center court, there's four tunnel exits, and there's moments right now where I think Tijon feels semi-disoriented still, and so uh, I assigned Caleb Lohner to make sure that he didn't wander off during practice into some <laughs> random part of the arena. So otherwise, otherwise it went really well. So I can confirm what Coach Pope said. I was at the last 25 minutes of practice, and as far as I could see, Tijon Lucas did not randomly leave out of 
a, an exit. I didn't know the injury. Was it a concussion then That's, based on that comment? I, I don't know. Yeah, I think it, we all sort of assumed it was something oh, like okay. that, but we had never heard anything gotcha. specific. Uh, but, yeah, so it was certainly good to see him yeah. practice. He was in good spirits. He was laughing, joking. Uh, Cougars, big one at LMU Thursday night. Take a nap. It's another late one, 9 o'clock Mountain Time tip. When are we going to report if someone's in bad spirits? We're like, you know what? They were in bad spirits. <laughs> it happened, finally. Hey, like, start a full camp. You know who's out of shape? This guy. You know who no really? One put on yeah. 10, he didn't yeah. put on 15 pounds of muscle. 15 pounds of fat. Just, just throwing some truth we're bombs. Not, yeah, we, nope, we're not going to do that. Bro. Shaley Gonzalez named the midseason team for the Naismith Trophy Women's College Player of the Year. How about that? Gonzalez has scored in double figures in every game but one this season. One of three players from mid-major conferences to be included on the team. Not for long. The semifinalists will be named on March 8th. Women's golf won the Texas State Invitation on Tuesday thanks to Anik Huchkovich's five under for the tourney to win the individual title. The Cougars have now won three of five events so far this season. Not bad. And Yoli Childs finished with 20 points, 12 rebounds, and the Salt Lake City Stars one point win over the South Bay Lakers. Always good when the Jazz beat the Lakers in any form. Childs <laughs> is averaging 14 points and nine boards this season in the G League. All rise and shout. Time for what's trending. How are we? It's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation. What's trending is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. West Coast Conference chaos last night. Things got shook in the league. Portland took down San Francisco by one on the road, and Santa Clara beat number 22 St. Mary's at home by five for its first win against a ranked team since 2004. Okay then. Shep, after what happened last night, do you think BYU is going to get a top four seed in the West Coast Conference Tournament? I am feeling a whole lot better about the situation after what I saw last night. Now, look, a lot of this is not in BYU's hands. The only thing BYU can control is winning their games. They have yeah. five games remaining. I think at minimum they win four of them. So I think BYU is going to put itself in good shape because uh, I think they're getting on a roll towards the end of the year. Obviously, the game at St. Mary's, that's the one you kind of look at yep. and say, okay, well, now let's see what happens in that game. But the thing that BYU doesn't control is of the five games they have remaining, four of them are against teams that are ranked below them. So they're not gaining ground. Ninth and tenth. Yes, yeah. By getting the win. So yeah. they are relying on the teams that are ranked ahead of them to lose. Mm -hmm. Last night was a great step in the right direction. Here's the other thing that should make every Cougar fan even more optimistic about BYU getting into the top four and keeping on climbing. All of these teams that are ranked ahead of BYU all have to face each other yes. the rest of the year. Yes. So if you're Santa Clara, your remaining games for Santa Clara on Saturday, you're facing San Francisco. You still have to go to Gonzaga. So there's opportunities for losses one way or the other there. If you're St. Mary's, you have the hardest schedule here because you yep. still have to face Gonzaga twice. You are – In USF. Yeah. You face San Diego. You face San Francisco again. So all of these teams are still facing each other. So whoever wins, somebody ranked ahead of BYU is going to get another loss. So as long as BYU continues to win, and I think they will, teams are going to drop down who are currently ranked ahead of them. So I'm very optimistic of BYU getting into the top four. Somehow it would be nice if BYU got the three. Seems like St. Mary's still going to get the two. We'll see. But Santa Clara is sneaky, man, yeah. like you talked about. Santa Clara has two games. Uh, you know, Maybe they beat San Francisco. If you can win against St. Mary's, you can beat San Francisco. You're not going to beat Gonzaga, of course, which is crazy. 
But they, yeah, Santa Clara might be a tough three seed here. They have snuck into this conversa- conversation, which is tough news for BYU. If you're looking at BYU's at-large chances, feels like BYU's the five. They're not actually probably going to be in, barring some crazy thing, because they're going to be on the wrong side of the bracket. They're going to be on Gonzaga's side if you're the four or the five. Doesn't feel like two's realistic. So the three is the one that's like, mm, can BYU somehow get to the three? You got to win all five games probably. And then, like you said, there, there are, and you did a nice job of outlining that, of the teams that BYU doesn't have to play yeah. and that the others do. Yes. BYU has played the hardest schedule in the, in the conference so far in terms of playing those top other four. I don't include San Diego in that conversation currently. I do with Santa Clara. Santa Clara's top 100 Ken Palm. Like San, San Diego uh, is better than we thought, and they're ahead of BYU right now. They're ahead of BYU because of who BYU's played. Okay. And now think about this, too. If BYU hadn't lost the – let's say BYU lost Santa Clara game but didn't lose against Pacific. BYU would still have four losses, and BYU would be tied for fourth, San yeah. Francisco. It'd still be a dogfight, and it will be down the stretch. But what happened last night certainly shakes things up because the real, the real deterrent here to me is obviously Santa Clara coming in, but it's San Francisco. Yeah. In fact, the BYU lost both. They lose that tiebreaker as well. BYU's got to be a game ahead of San Francisco to be above them. Well, actually, they don't because assuming the league goes to Ken Palm adjusted win percentage, they won't be tied. Right. They just it won't be as easy to Correct. tie. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, and look, that's that's the thing. BYU though still has to win. At the end of the day, if you're going to put yourself in a position where the other team's yeah. losing means something, you've got to keep winning. Right. So, it's assumed winning, and then yes. you need the right shakeout. You know, and and it's and it's good that. Of the four remaining games, you know, obviously you're going to face Pepperdine and you're going to face LMU twice. You're going to get them, obviously, this week on the road, and then you're going to get them at home. Those should be four wins for BYU. Yeah, it, no, if you lose one of those, then you're done. So, like, but, but, y- you so, have to win the So you, you, you control what can happen to a certain point in terms of you can go out. All you can do is go out and win your basketball games. Sure. But, you, but you know it's not a well-maybe you know the teams that are ranked ahead of you currently are going to lose games. So they are going to, there's going to be some of them that come back towards where BYU is currently. So I think the, the chances of the Cougars moving into that top four spot change significantly with the results of last night. And if BYU's four, if BYU wins out and gets the four and gets to the semis and, and lose to Gonzaga, they got a shot. Yeah. They got a shot. Um, here's the good news, because we're looking at the three seed as well. Okay, that's the four situation. If BYU's the five, it's just tough. I'm not sure BYU's making it if they're the five. Okay, in the WCC, like it's gonna, it's not gonna be a four bid league. I don't think it'll be three. I think four been in contention, but that'll probably be three. You're gonna eat. They're gonna eat their own. That's gonna be the yeah. Pac-12 in football. Like you don't produce a champ that goes to the playoff because there's too much parity. Parity can be good. It can also be bad. I think they'll be. Uh, too much parity in the Big 12 in football as well. I don't know that a, a top-four playoff team will emerge because there's too many good to very good teams, yeah. right, in there. So let's talk about that three seed. You're trying to get that three seed, get to that semifinal, get a quad one neutral game on Monday night in the semis. That would be amazing. Feels like a stretch, but here's the good news, which is our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Three seed the last nine years has had five-plus losses, okay? BYU's already at five. So if BYU wins out and has five losses, they would, you know, be in historical contention for the three seed. Now, now uh, St. Mary's has two losses right now. 
I think they're going to lose a couple more. They could end up with as many as like five. St. Mary's is going to lose two more for yes. sure because they face yes. Gonzaga twice. Santa Clara, if they only lose Gonzaga and they win out the rest, they could be the two. Yeah. Or the three. Yeah. Like, the, like Santa Clara's the shocker. San Francisco's down to four. They have to play Gonzaga. So they're going to equal BYU's five at least. They also uh, play at St. Mary's. So where they led but lost by 23. San Diego has St. Mary's twice, USF still. Um, you know, San Diego's going to get out of the way, I think. And then BYU's there. <laughs> uh, hopefully BYU's not like the five. If, if BYU can get at least a four, they have a shot. They have a shot. Okay, resume update. Hit the music. Net, 46, stays the same. Ken Palm, 46, stays the same. Again, you want to be top 40 to feel like you're in the mix, even though Lenardi has BYU still in, right? Bracketology, 12 seed, uh, fourth to last in. You know, waiting on some updates there. Team rankings, down 3% to make the tourney. It's a quarter chance, right? Bracket matrix in 107 of 120 brackets. That's all good. <sighs> Just feels like you're always hanging by a thread here. And has to win and then hope that it shakes out well. I, I think either way, we're going to be a little nervous on uh, Selection Sunday. I-, I would agree with that. And that's why you're you finish the season strong. You go in to the WCC tournament. You put yourself in the best position possible in, in terms of your seating. And then you win... Win a game, win a game or two, minimum. And then you've won six of seven or seven of eight. So, so, I, and I, I don't know if Greg's mentioned this on. I know he's mentioned it on the radio broadcast. I don't know if he's mentioned it on on television. Greg Rubel, obviously, is who I'm speaking of. When do uh, you say Greg? I Everybody. just, I, I, I assume that, but uh, Greg sometimes. Greg Cougar Club as well. <laughs> He's mentioned that 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 23 win mark is the one that he's kind of looked at for BYU to feel really good about. Getting into the NCAA tournament, that tw- getting, five to, more wins. getting to 23 wins, he thinks BYU's in a really good spot. That's kind of the number he's looked at personally. I want to say bracketology agrees. So, so that's kind of where I, I think we okay. need to we kind of look to where BYU can be from a win loss situation. Okay, Greg feels 23. Okay, that is a 27 percent chance from team rankings. Um, 24 wins is 53 percent mm-hmm. from NCAA. So it's uh, considerable change. And then 25 is 86 percent. So if BYU could get to the championship game, essentially, if it was, well, if BYU, if BYU, it depends how many games you play in the WCC tournament. But if BYU wins five games, they get to 20, they're 18 and 7 right now. Um, or is it 17 and 8? 17 and 8. 17 and 8. The 23 marks, six wins. Mm. Yeah. You got to win five, and then you got to win one game in the tourney at least. Or you, you win four or five to end the regular season, and then win two in Vegas. Yes, but you'd probably be a five or six seed. And, it's true. It's true. And you're not an at-large if you're a six in the WCC tournament. No, you. you I, I just like you. You can't just isolate that number per se. You have to look at the whole resume. But I go, uh, no. See, and I don't see. I do not. And I grant. Yeah. I realize I'm saying this as they currently sit as right. a six is sixth in the standings. Right. They're not finishing sixth. I don't think so either. B- BYU fourth, is not finishing sixth in the WCC. It's third, fourth, or fifth. Correct. I w- agree 100%. That opinion is correct. That is correct. Our question of the day. After last night's West Coast Conference upsets, uh, do you think BYU will get a top four seed in, in the West Coast Conference tournament? Let's hear from you. This is the voice of the nation on BYU Sports Nation. Cougar Chaps on Twitter. Yes. Chaos in the WCC. I'm... I'm Reading it as the, with the caps yelling, right? Just what the Cougars needed to remind them that winning out in the regular season is possible. We love Coach Mark Pope and go Cougs. Hashtag BYUSN. It's totally possible. Uh, this team's not trending in the right direction. My hope and prayer is that it can change as quickly as it as it did the other way. 
that it was it was this eight day, ten day, like right. whoa, that maybe in eight to ten days we're going. Remember when BYU beat LMU Pepperdine on the road and St. Mary's? Boom, back in it. Let's go. That's the hope. By the end of Saturday night, BYU could be in a completely different situation in terms of the standings yes, and where 100%. they where they would be seated. In it's two days. Yep. It's it's crazy how quickly things can change. And anyone and, that has been in a relationship <laughs> can know that in two days things can change dramatically as well. Right? Yeah, that is uh, that is correct. <laughs> All right, coming up, we talked about the chaos last night at the WCC. Which was the most surprising Wait, are result? The, are we doing the countdown? We, no. Uh, look, I'm okay. happy to do a countdown. You, I'm never going to pass a countdown. <laughs> we are not. Okay, we are not. So what was the most surprising yep. loss of the ones we saw last night in conference? And Sean Farnham of ESPN tells us why he thinks BYU can turn things around and what's going on with the Cougs. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go. The MVP of your next event. Utahns love staying active, and Intermountain Healthcare is here to help keep it that way. Because maybe you can't lift 500. I'm a professional mom, and I mean business. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Basketball with Mark Pope is available on demand. Watch this week's episode as Coach Pope talks about how BYU looks to snap a four-game losing streak. Plus, Deep Blue features Tijon Lucas' journey from Milwaukee to Provo. It's available on demand on the BYU TV app. He also read mean tweets, which we will show you <laughs> coming up. He brought these in on his own. Greg didn't know. Hema didn't know. Uh, the producer, so yeah, that's that's fun. We're live in Studio B with your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I'm Jeremy Jordan. Here's Jason Shepard. ESPN Sean Farnham, one of the top voices in college basketball and friend of the program. He's seen BYU play several times, including Saturday against Gonzaga on ESPN. Here's Sean talking with Spencer yesterday about what's up with the Cougars and how they turn it around. Sean, it's always a great day when we have you on BYU Sports Nation, so we appreciate you taking time out of your very busy schedule to help us address some things that, frankly, we're really confused about. We look at this BYU basketball team. Two and a half weeks ago, they were pacing to be a seven seed in the NCAA tournament. They were for sure going to be one of the top-tier teams in the WCC, probably finish second. And yet here we are. Now they're one of the last four teams in and very much on the bubble. What changed over the last two and a half weeks for BYU? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's a tough stretch. Uh, you, you know this. This is not what this program is used to. In fact, the last time uh, the Cougars lost four consecutive games in conference play was back in 2005, and they were definitely not part of the West Coast Conference at that point in time. So it's uncharted territory, especially since uh, they, their arrival into the WCC. I go back to that game against uh, Santa Clara, the buzzer beater at the end. There was multiple opportunities uh, for BYU to close that game out and they left the door open and they allowed Santa Clara to come through. And when you lose a game like that, sometimes there's a residual impact. And I think we saw that against Pacific where it was almost like a no show. Like they thought like, okay, well that was an aberration and we can put that one over there and we're going to be perfectly fine. They weren't. And they, they lose that game. And then you've got San Francisco and Gonzaga who are both NCAA tournament teams coming into your building in a place where Mark Pope in particular has had a ton of success protecting 
I th- I thought the the loss of Lucas uh, was huge sure. in that game, um, based on the fact that he's the best uh, ball handler at the offensive end, and it allows and slides Alex Barcelo into more of a scorer's role um, than than having to bring and initiate the offense and then still become the scorer and try to balance that. And then you lost your best perimeter defensive player as well. And I think that was a huge problem uh, for them in that game. And I don't think it makes a difference. They run in, ran into a buzzsaw that night. And obviously Chet Holmgren was outstanding and the lack of length underneath kind of once again, reared, reared its ugly head. Um, but the concerns I have right now, you look at this four game stretch has been the amount of turnovers, uh, BYU averaging about 15 and a half turnovers per game over the last four. Yeah. Uh, they actually have a, a negative uh, plus minus on the glass. Uh, and that's just not a recipe for success. Now, their their schedule was front-loaded. Uh, they're done with a majority of their big games that they have left. They have four games uh, remaining against Loyola Marymount and Pepperdine. I'll be on the call on Thursday night, uh, that game against LMU. Uh, these are these are must-wins for, for BYU, and they should win. They should win all four of those games. The, both of these teams, Pepperdine and LMU, have been struggling in conference play, and BYU should, should be able to get right a little bit there. The, the onus then becomes on that game at St. Mary's, which I also have. Um, and I'll be on the call for that game. And that becomes almost a must win. If they, if they want to secure their birth prior to showing up in Las Vegas. And I think it's important when you look at this team to realize some of the positives that they've seen getting George, I thought was great outside of the foul trouble that he was in obviously the other night, 14 points in 18 minutes. Uh, I thought Foose, uh, late in that game, without Chet on the floor, started to regain his footing as far as how he could be successful. Understand, hey, I can't score the ball. Chet Holmgren's just a different dude, and my length isn't going to be good enough to score over the top of him, uh, which is a fact. It's not subjective; it's objective. Um, and and then it then you start looking at other guys and start going, okay, are they going to get right? Uh, I, I will be very frank and honest that Caleb Loner has been a massive disappointment for me this year. Uh, because of my own expectation of him and and maybe Mark feels differently. And I'm sure he does. Um, But I I thought Caleb Caleb was going to be a first team, all conference caliber player. And he is really, really struggling uh, in particular at the offensive side of the ball. What I did like of what I saw the other night was that he grabbed nine rebounds and he should be grabbing nine rebounds every night, especially given the fact that they're shorthanded and small on the interior with his athleticism and size. He needs to be a more efficient rebounder. He needs to be a more effective rebounder. He needs to go get the ball. And he should be averaging about nine rebounds every single game right now for BYU. And down the stretch, that would be my focus with him is stop worrying about if you're scoring, stop worrying about your three-point shot. Uh, just just go rebound the ball and defend for us. And, and good things will happen because you start to simplify the game. Um, but the the way he was playing down the stretch, when the ball hit his hands, I was either anticipating a miss shot or a turnover right away down the stretch, in particular of that Gonzaga game. Um, and, and he needs to just go back and watch some feel good film. Like we used to do this at UCLA all the time and they call it a feel good video. Yeah. And the feel good video was just like, Hey, this is you at your best. This is what you can do. You've proven you can do this. Can we get that out of you again? Like you don't stop worrying about what you can't do or trying to prove to people what you, what you've developed or what you've worked on and just get back to being a dominant athletic, strong player, uh, that in particular in the WCC, again, I will go back to it. I still believe his best basketball is ahead of him could be a first team, all conference caliber player. And if he does that down the stretch, that takes some of the pressure off of guys on the outside. Um, you know, obviously Nell has not shot the ball as well this year as he has in previous years. 
Uh, and it puts more and more on the shoulders of Alex Barcelo and to the point where it can't all be on Alex Barcelo. Other guys need to step up and alleviate some of that pressure that he feels um, and, and allow this team to start to find success. And it starts with two areas, valuing the basketball yes, and rebounding the basketball at a much better clip. And BYU did both of those things at a pretty high clip early in the season in that front-loaded part of the schedule. There was one thing that we could expect watching BYU play basketball, and that was that they would show up, they would play defense, and they would rebound the heck out of the basketball. And then if they figured out enough on offense, they'd find a way to win the game. So those things that we have become so accustomed to just happening are not happening. Rebounding, taking care of the ball, and defending. So, Sean... How do you change that when your team is clearly not in a place that they were mentally to get them back to that mental place? I think, honestly, you don't even watch the last couple of games. You don't go back and have film sessions and break down Gonzaga and how they beat you in this area or that area. I think that doesn't serve well. I think it, it leads to more questions. And we've heard Mark Pope talk in post-game press conferences saying, hey, mentally, we're questioning things. Uh, we're we're overthinking the game. And I do, th- I do see that on the floor. They're hesitating on shots. I think Molly McGrath did a great job with her sideline report in the game on Saturday talking about how uh, Alex Barcelo was telling the guys, Hey, just, just let it loose. Just let it fly. Don't worry about if we miss a shot, let's just play. And I think it's, it's, it gets in your head when you go through a losing streak and right now it's in their mind. So what I would do is I would go back to some of those previous games where they did a lot of things, right? I, I put the Oregon game back in. I put the San Diego state game back in um, and be like, Hey guys, like, look, when you look at wins against the field, we, we did some good work in our non-conference to find wins against the field in the NCAA tournament. So let, we are a good team. Let's remind ourselves of how good we are and what we are capable of doing. And again, with the back loaded schedule, I would not be surprised if they win at St. Mary's. And the next thing you know, we're going into the, the WCC tournament with them winning five consecutive games. And, and a lot of the feelings that you're having right now kind of subside and yeah. go away. St. Mary's has won seven games in a row, but let's not forget the Gales have Gonzaga twice. They have BYU on their home floor. I mean, there's some losses that are potentially ahead for St. Mary's at this point in time, too. So, you know, it's 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 not looking at the standings and panicking. It's not even looking in your rearview mirror in recent history and going, oh, my gosh, what was us? You know, walking around campus, hearing people question whether or not you guys are going to make the tournament, fans questioning whether or not you're making the tournament. you got to block all that out. And you got to go back and watch some of the stuff that you've done right this season and realize, wait, guys, we're more than capable of doing it and reinforce that in your daily practice habits. Like what at practice are you doing to get more confident? What a practice are we highlighting or the point of emphasis uh, to allow us to believe that we are the team that we believe we can be? Because I saw it. I mean, I did that Oregon game. I left that Oregon game going, man, BYU was legit. And at five and one, BYU was a win against Santa Clara from being six and one and off to the best start they've ever had in the West Coast Conference. Yes. Since then, the, 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 the tires have fallen off the car. And all you need to do is just bolt them back on. It's not like it's a massive repair. And, and I know that that sounds crazy, especially after the last four games, but it's not a massive fix. It's just, guys, we've gotten away from who we are. When we don't turn the ball over, what is our efficiency at the offensive end of the floor versus obviously you factor in the, the lack of efficiency when turnover, how many points per game are we giving up off of turnovers? How many times are we giving up transition points, whether it's a missed shot or a made shot. And again, those numbers get skewed when you, when you force, when you play Gonzaga because of how efficient they are at the offensive end of the floor. But overall BYU has been great in those areas when they do it right. 
And so it's just back to getting, getting back to the basics of who they are, having confidence in their identity, having confidence in one another, uh, and, and believing and trusting that their best basketball is still ahead of them. Because I do, I do believe that. And I know that might sound crazy for some of your fans, but I, I believe they're going to get right in the next five games and that it would not be a surprise for me to see them playing on Tuesday night in Las Vegas. It wouldn't be. Now, that's not saying because this year's conference is different. I think there's five teams that are really, really good in the conference right now. Santa Clara happens to be one of those teams, but the other four are projected in the NCAA tournament right now. Yeah, and speaking of those four teams that are projected in, by the way, BYU is still projected in. They're one of the last four in, according to your buddy Joe Lenardi. Do you see, after all of this madness leading up uh, into the actual tournament, that the WCC will still have four teams in the field? I do. Uh, and I think a large part of that has to do with what's going on around the country in college basketball. I think the Mountain West and, and the WCC have actually positioned itself very well to get uh, a historically good amount of bids. And part of that was, look, the non-conference success of the WCC was huge. I mean, even a team like Santa Clara, before they suffered injuries and, and guys were missing games, I mean, pivotal wins against you know TCU in the Big 12. I mean, that, that carries weight still today. Uh, but when you look at the Pac-12 and the ACC in particular, the West Coast Conference has more teams ranked in the top 25 currently today than the ACC does. And, you know, uh, that that's... <laughs> That, that has not been the case, as you know. I mean, usually this time of year, you're talking about seven or eight teams coming out of the ACC. The ACC realistically is looking at four. Well, that means there's three more bids that are that are available for this NCAA tournament. Go to the Pac-12. And yeah, we can talk about how great Arizona is. And UCLA, even after getting swept against Arizona State and Arizona this past weekend, obviously a lock in the NCAA tournament, as is USC. Uh, but outside of that, you're now going, okay, Oregon might be playing its way in. That would be a fourth team but you're not seeing six or seven come out of the Pac-12 this year. It's just not going to happen. And so when you have that, uh, that means, again, more bids are available. They have to put 68 teams in the NCAA tournament. And when you look at the net rankings right now, uh, the, those top four teams, I think that puts them in a great position. Uh, and again, I think Santa Clara is going to make some noise down the stretch here. Uh, Frankich is back, obviously healthy. Jalen Williams has been as, a, as efficient as any player really in college basketball. When you look at his numbers uh, from the field, from three-point line, from the free-throw line, there's only one other player in the country that has similar numbers and percentages from there that is averaging over 18 points per game. Uh, so that's elite company for Jalen Williams. And Herb Sedick's team is playing with confidence right now. So I think the conference is in really good positioning. Uh, and, and how it's kind of gone down is how you wanted to see it go down. I think if, if you're a fan of the WCC and you want to see multiple teams get in, you want separation. A lot of time we talk about parity. Well, parity is great, but you need separation. You need a defined line in your conference of these are the good teams. These are the bad teams. Uh, that's a defined line this year. There, it's, it's clear which teams are struggling and which teams are thriving. And I think that separation will help uh, maintain four teams in the NCAA tournament field. I think they're going to get it. Sean, I know what my eyes tell me as it pertains to Gonzaga basketball, and that is that they are, in my opinion, headed for another national championship game appearance. I just don't see any way that Mark Few doesn't have his guys ready to get back to another Final Four, win another game, and then – are we headed for an Auburn-Gonzaga national championship match? Is it too early to call something like that? Because it just feels like they are the two best teams in college basketball. I would throw Arizona in there. I mean, we could see a Tommy Lloyd versus Mark Few final, Woo! which would be <laughs> – that would be uh, 
That'd be interesting. Um, made for television drama. Um, but you know, I, I think that those three teams have kind of separated themselves a little bit. Uh, Purdue is obviously in the discussion point. Um, I, I think Kentucky is also getting there too. I think when you look at Oscar Shibway and Ty Ty Washington and, and Severe Wheeler and, and Kellen Grady, uh, Keon Brooks, they, they've got a lot of things going right right now in Lexington. So I, I think it's going to be really good. I think there's about eight teams that can win a national championship. Wow. Uh, Gonzaga, I think their best basketball basketball ironically is still ahead of them. Uh, and I don't think that they've, they've maximized, uh, their full potential yet, which is a scary thought, especially when you look at how efficient and how dynamic they were, uh, on Saturday, but with Chet Holmgren really figuring out where his positioning is on the floor, where he can be successful and how he can exploit mismatches or his, his skill set and utilize his skill set. I think part of that is him feeling more comfortable. The other part is Mark few, uh, understanding like, okay, this is where you want it. Okay. We'll get it. We'll get you there. Um, and Drew Timmy has been more than willing to kind of like relinquish a little bit of what his dominant role has been right. to allow Chet to thrive. And I think that that's going to bode well down the stretch for Drew in particular, but also this team, Julian Strother, as we saw uh, on Saturday was sensational. I mean, in any other game, we're talking about Julian Strother post game. We're not talking about Chet, um, be, but Chet had the numbers he had, and it makes it like impossible almost to even mention Julian Strother uh, with how good he played or, or Andrew Nemhard and how well he played in that game. Uh, but I think Nolan Hickman um, and Anton Watson are going to be the key for them to potentially win a national championship. Uh, they need production coming off the bench. There will be games where some of those guys get into foul trouble or they're not performing well, and you need a spark. And I think that there's been glimpses for Nolan Hickman. I think, again, I think he's going to improve a lot in the next month. Uh, and I think Mark's going to try to find spots for him to play more uh, because he needs, he knows that he's going to need that depth in the NCAA tournament. And I think Anton Watson has done exactly what you would want for him in the last six games. He's averaging over 10 points per game. So you've got six guys in the last you know, six games averaging better than 10 points per contest. That balance makes it a very difficult scout, uh, especially when you think about how well they pass the ball. I think Auburn's an interesting team because Jabari Smith still to me is the number one pick in the draft. I love his frame. I love how he can shoot the ball. Walker Kessler underneath in his length. But the big concern I have for them is sometimes their shot selection gets in their way. And when shots aren't following, falling for them, uh, it becomes problematic. Like we saw against Georgia uh, on Saturday, they almost lost the game to a team that has an, a net ranking uh, lower than 200 and you're the nation's number one team. That's, that's not anticipated by any stretch of imagination that that should happen, but it almost did. And uh, I think that they've got to clean things up. They, you want them to play free because that's how Bruce Pearl has had success. But you also want to make sure that the quality of shot you're getting is right. Because in the NCAA tournament, as we all know, um, there's going to be a game where your shots aren't falling. How do you win? And when the competition is a lot better than what Georgia is going to bring to the table this year, and you're in the sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament, you've got to find a way to allow your defense to shine through and be able to adjust and change the quality of shot that you're getting at the offensive end. Sean Farnham is a man of many talents at the top of that list is analyzing college basketball. And what many might not know, Sean, is you got a pretty good singing voice too. I hope all BYU fans are singing as they celebrate another trip to the NCAA tournament and that you are right that their best basketball is ahead of them. I, I believe that it is, and I believe in Mark Pope. I really do. I think Mark is one of the great uh, coaches on the West region of the United States. I think his development, skill development stuff is great. Um, I think the way that he cares for his kids is elite, uh, and I trust in Mark, and that's I think that's part of the reason why I believe that this team will find its way again is because I've seen it all too often uh, that this coaching staff has figured it out, and this is a test unlike any other. You know, I mean, you can't make excuses 
Um, but the, the, the losses that they had on the interior earlier this season, the, it's still showing up today. And those aren't going to go away. Uh, but you you can't use that as an excuse moving forward if you want to make the NCAA tournament. you got to find a way to get around it. And I, and I have confidence that they will. Sean, fantastic stuff. I know that we have a three-foot-long maple bar donut known as a Cougar Tail. Once again, you know it well, waiting for you next time you're back in Provo. Yeah, it'll be next season. I'm not back for the rest of this year in Provo, uh, but I, I do have uh, BYU a couple times on the road uh, finishing the season out before we get to Las Vegas. Maybe you'll bring one to Vegas with you. I, I can do that. We can arrange that, my friend. I mean, pro- it probably won't be as fresh <laughs> as the ones that I got on Saturday, but like, it's still just phenomenal. It's still delicious. Sean, thanks for the time, my friend. We'll talk to you again soon. Anytime. ESPN's Sean Farnham with Spencer Linton yesterday. He called a shot on Santa Clara right there, which is pretty interesting. He said, I think they're going to surprise some people. He's the Cam Meller of college basketball. Just calling a shot. Cam called a shot on Zach Wilson. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I love Sean. I think he's great. It, he, did, it did turn into Gonzaga Sports Nation there for a minute. Look, he is great. And <laughs> it's he's one of those guys that just absorbs all things college basketball. Yes. So I trust his takes. I would say he's one of the biggest voices on the West Coast. Agreed 100%. Nationally as well. Here's course, the thing, like though. Western this is where we missed the mark on this. If you're going to bring up that he's a great singer, we need to have him singing. Yeah, I, I, we needed to hear that. We needed to hear the, the voice. Can't tease it like that. Because maybe it. next time next he does time. come, he can have a cougar tail and he can sing with, uh, yeah. with like vocal point. I want to hear it. Oh, nice. He's that good. I don't know. Maybe we don't know. All right, coming up. Well, fun. Mark Pope, mean tweets. It's gold, Jerry. <laughs> yes, it is. No soup for you. And our Letterman's jackets making a comeback. Are they? Like we talked about it earlier this week, but are they? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you by Marisk, enabling global trade for a growing world. BYU Hoops looks to get back on the winning track as they travel to LMU. You can join me for pregame coverage tomorrow night, 10 Eastern time with Cougar Pregame Live. Then Greg Rubel, Mark Durant, the guys will have the call from Los Angeles at 11 Eastern on BYU Radio and the app. Late one, he is Jason, I am Jerem. This is BYU Sports Nation. Interact with the show. You can follow us on social media, BYU Sports Nation specifically, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Let's whip it. Good Whip Round is presented by Maris, an integrated container logistics company enabling global trade for a growing world. Talked a lot about the losses last night in the West Coast Conference. The bigger surprise to you was what? Was it Portland over San Francisco or Santa Clara over St. Mary's? Definitely Portland over San Francisco because Portland has been a team that's struggling. Big win. Santa Clara is good. We saw them beat BYU two weeks ago. They beat up on TCU and Stanford in the non-conference. Let's go. Yeah, the answer is Portland over San Francisco. Did not see that one coming at all. Okay, Saturday, Dax Milne wore a Letterman jacket to the BYU versus Gonzaga game. Then he tweeted he received a box with a Washington Commander's the Letterman jacket. Shep, are you still rocking the Letterman's jacket? Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I am. And uh, proud to say that it still fits. Oh! Check this out. This is your high school Letterman jacket? This is my high school Letterman's jacket. Look at that. It, Kern it still Cougars. fits. Still fits. Were you, how many pounds ago was this jacket? I don't know, maybe 15? That's it? That's it. Wow. And that 15, let's be honest, muscle now. <laughs> So pure, undefiled so yeah, muscle. Kearns Cougars. Kearns Cougs. Go Cougs. Yeah, go Cougs. Look, it follows me it everywhere. Looks, you look amazing. Thank you. You want to pop the collar or no? I'm not a pop the collar okay. guy, but I'm okay. telling you, this thing is heavy. I forgot how heavy this is. Oh. 
I'm going to wear this what? the rest of the show. Marty, what's going on in the future? Why is everything so heavy? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to wear this the rest of the show. Do it. All right. Look uh, speaking of jackets, would you wear this Evan Troy jacket on BYU TV? Check this out. Yeah, 100%. From last night's coach's uh, show, Evan Troy just crushed it. He wore this a couple years ago when he did uh, – we don't have the picture. Oh, we don't have the picture. You're going to you're gonna have to trust us. Yeah, I'd wear it. I'd wear it, 100%. Um, if I'm remembering the jacket correctly, I probably would not wear it. But that's just me. That's that's my own you, style. Well, you're already wearing a jacket. I am. I'm wearing I'm wearing my jacket. Yeah. This is warm. Yeah? This you're going to really be warm. it up by the end? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right, coming up, a rise and shout out to some early madness in the WCC. And Mark Pope reads mean tweets. Don't go anywhere. BYU Sports Nation with the Kearns Coop Chef. <laughs> BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. 20th ranked BYU women's basketball returns home on Thursday to host Pepperdine. Coverage begins at 9 Eastern live on BYU TV and the app. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Last night on BYU Basketball with Mark Pope. Mark Pope brought his own mean tweets to read, and this is what it sounded like and looked like. Because what I've done is I asked our GAs who are going to be on. Yes, Thank you have. Uh -huh. Oh, look at this. Thank you. Okay. He'll be coming back later. He'll be coming back this later. Isn't, this isn't his only appearance tonight. If, okay. if, if the show makes it that far. <laughs> you don't understand. I am so nervous right now. You think you're nervous. I am so nervous. <laughs> okay. He just brought in a mystery envelope. And, yes. Uh, yeah. So what I had to have to do, so, you know, Leanne's late night uh, talk show person. She grew up in the business. Yeah. That's some background there. So we're fans of these mean tweets. And so we thought, <laughs> you see sweat? Like, yeah. it's happening. We thought, what better time? You know, maybe, I don't, I'm not really a huge social media guy, so I don't know if there's been mean tweets all the time, but I'm like, there's got to be some mean tweets after losing four games. <laughs> so we're going to read them. Wow. <laughs> They've been printed out, and they're in the So, so here's the deal. I told Evan, I told my two GAs, who are coming on later, <laughs> to account for themselves. I said, I need you guys to scour the World Wide Web. Do we call it that anymore? Sure. To scour all of social media and find the most brutal, <laughs> meanest tweets about me in, in, that they could find. You, and you're going to read these? I have not seen them. Okay. Greg has not seen I them. I have not seen them. And I'm going to tell you, the first one I'm, not, I'm totally disappointed with, actually. Let's hope we're doing better than that. You guys have seen this on, who does it? Lee, Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel, maybe? Yeah. So they have people come on and read the mean tweets about, about themselves. About themselves, yeah. yes. So this is from Micah, at El Mas. Micah, am I legally allowed to say that? Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this one's soft. It says, maybe Pope isn't as great of a coach as we thought. I hope we're going to do better. That's not. It's, it's kind of mean. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. This is better. This is from Blue Oyster DVP at Blue Oyster DVP. Yeah, by the way, uh, before you read these handles, like, just self-edit before you do that. But oh, yeah. Oh, so far, yeah. oh, I am, okay. yes. <laughs> Pope, the at BYU coach, is a crybaby, too. Four straight losses. Hashtag Provo. Fine. Okay. Ooh, this is getting better. 
Anya with two A's at BlackZag05. Mark Pope looks like a door-to-door -door salesman who's been on the road for too many years. <laughs> Better? Okay. okay. Wait. This is Cosmo for life. That can't be a real Cosmo, is it? Cosmo for life, all-American. I don't know what that means. Um, Welp, Pope went from hot new girl to not so great in just two weeks. True. That's true. From dangerous... I'm, these are a little soft. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna crush the GAs when they get in here. This is gonna, gotta be worse than this. Dangerous All-American. We look like a lower-level WCC team. Just embarrassing. Pope looks clueless. Okay, and the last one. These aren't really complimentary, you know. I, I think. I, I, like I thought it would be like more, have more meat. All right. Will you tell Ev and Brad they got one shot? When they come out here, they have to get a real one. These are like soft potatoes. I need a real, I need a real tough one. And I don't understand this one. <laughs> yeah, Lee said, uh-oh. So this is from the Sock Gnome, All-American. And it says, unfortunately, Pope has fallen into Coach Klein territory. Mm. I hope he can find dot, uh, dot, dot uh, his way out. Waterboy. Oh, that's great. That's great. Okay. <laughs> I like it. I I'm actually disappointed. Oh. Sorry, guys. I thought we would have some real heat in here. So we're going to give those guys, you know, they work fast. They're, they'll work fast. Hopefully, they can get some good juice in here. There's also a possibility that people just still kind of like you. No, you no, no. I guarantee yeah. you that there's something juicy out there. <laughs> and so I, uh, I'm actually super disappointed. They got to bring it. <laughs> I love that he did that. And he was disappointed that it wasn't strong enough. Yeah, he was. He had prepared himself for a certain level of mean, and yes. I don't think any of those reached it. For those who don't know, his wife, Leanne, was David Letterman's executive assistant for several years and worked at ESPN prior to that for a little while. It's, it's pretty interesting. You can hear a lot of that story on the uh, Deep Blue podcast I did with him, parts one and two. But uh, Two-parter. Two-parter. I haven't even reached the he got to BYU part. It's been everything leading up to that. It's been a crazy journey for them. But, yeah, Mark Pope, amazing personality, of course. All right, coming up, we hear from you in Voice of the Nation. And uh, today's Rise and Shouts. And in case you missed it, you have no idea why Shep's in a Letterman jacket. We're not going to explain why. We're going to break. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Get that out of here. BYU Sports Nation, always available on demand via the free BYU TV and BYU Radio apps. Or you can always download the podcast. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. While you're there, subscribe, rate, and review. Our question of the day is this. After last night's West Coast Conference upsets, Portland beat San Francisco, Santa Clara beat St. Mary's. Do you think BYU will get a top four seed in the West Coast Conference tournament? Our elite voice of the day is presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. Ben Peterson on Twitter. I think there's a chance, but they need to win the next five. I think we are learning that the West Coast Conference might have more competitive teams than we thought at the start of the year. Too bad the upsets would just be a reason to keep more WCC teams out of the tournament. How many bids do you feel like the league is going to get on Selection Sunday? I think at most right now, three. I agree. Four feels unrealistic. There's gonna, like, I think there was a chance for four, but now I think with the way that the, the conference has played out so far – 
And now the fact that we're getting towards the end goes back to what we were talking about. All these teams are now facing each other. And, you know, one, one team's going to get a bump. The other team's going to start to slide because they're playing each other. It, it's, it's, I just don't see four being realistic anymore. Here's the way it could happen. Someone or maybe multiple pick off Gonzaga. Because then you have that massive win to add to the resume. And then if you're top four and there are other the, – the, the tournament selection committee, we know this from Tom being on it, looks at other teams in the tournament. Right. Did you beat them? Um, there's value in that. So What is the likelihood that Gonzaga loses a game? Zero. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, that's so, the only way. Yeah. I just don't see it. They, I, it's happened before. Um, but this version of Gonzaga is its best version of itself. Like – of, of the past, you know, five or six years. And that's saying some something. Top five teams. Yes. I'm not saying this is their greatest team ever. I think t- the team two years ago was. But, um, they, yeah, they're legit. Like, number one, number two, they're probably going to the Final Four again. Like, you don't pick them off on a Thursday right. night at Santa Clara very, very often. So, we'll, we'll see what happens there. We'll see what happens. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens with the next couple of weeks, though. But, uh, of course, it does hinge on BYU winning the next five. If BYU doesn't win in Moraga, I don't think BYU can get in that large. It doesn't. It just doesn't feel like BYU is going to have enough oomph at the end of the year to, to get in. Maybe they do barely. See, I, I still think there's. I still think they can. It obviously makes things much more difficult. Here's why: I know. if they don't win in Moraga, even if they win in Moraga, the chances of being on the other side of the bracket from Gonzaga is slim. So if if you don't and you're on Gonzaga's side, what's the win that's really going to help you at the end of the year that you didn't get in Moraga? Santa Clara or uh, San Francisco as the 4-5 in the quarters? Um, maybe. Maybe you get a quad two in the quarters, but probably not. That's probably reserved for whoever you're playing in the semis, and that would be Gonzaga. So that's my concern there is I want to be on the other side of the bracket to get a semifinal bump against a St. Mary's or San Francisco. But the chances of being the two or the three just feel like it's going to be difficult. Right. BYU, though, should absolutely, when it's all said and done, be top four. Yeah. Okay, today's Rise and Shout, presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Evan Troy's jacket. We've got it. I mentioned it earlier. It's just insane. It's just crazy. Here it is. There it is. (laughs) That is, like, the most psychedelic jacket I've ever seen. And, of course, Shep wearing his Letterman jacket from... (laughs) From Curtin. Our thanks to today's guest, Sean Farnham. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use hashtag BYUSN. Jason, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Brandon Bonner. See you tomorrow for more BYUSN. Go Cougs!